Hey everyone, welcome back to the Enduring Churches podcast. This is Trent Young. I'm here with my good friend, Alan Small. And as always, we do this podcast because we want to help you and your church to be able to endure, to last, and to to accomplish all that God has placed you there to do. And so, um, Alan, we recognize that as pastors and leaders, we can't do everything by ourselves. And so we need, we need what scripture calls the body of Christ today. And so I think we're going to talk a little bit about that today, aren't we? Yes. Yes. So I had a roundtable discussion today with several of my pastors. So I want to give a um, shout out to the uh, pastors of Dogwood Trails uh, Baptist Association for a conversation we had today. And I kind of taking some of the things we discussed today to kind of springboard into a question why should you have a new member's uh, class or a new member's process um, in your church? I don't know about you, Trent. I know you've had this experience, but when I was a brand new pastor, the first person who ever walked the aisle during one of my messages came forward to join the church. And so I had a deacon meet them at the front of the church and they filled out a little card and you know, they said they were joining the church and everyone clapped and it was a wonderful day. And I never, ever saw that person again. <laughs> yeah. Talk about discouraging, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I don't I, I, I don't know. I, I try to tell myself that it was an angel that was just there to make me look good. And they're back in heaven today or something. <clears throat> there you go. But, there you go. but the the likelihood is that uh they just didn't that they kind of equated maybe church being on a church role with having a place in heaven which certainly isn't what that means but but church membership is important isn't it that is something that we we talk about and today we're not going to do an apologetic for for church membership we'll save that for something else we value church membership we want to encourage you Mm -hmm to expect to expect church membership we we could give you all the data in the world that says churches that have a higher threshold of membership do better than churches that have a low threshold of membership so membership's important i think most most churches recognize that we're going to take that as a given today but we want to have have a discussion as to the the why why you need to do mm-hmm. this yeah and i think as we talk about membership just like you talked about your experience with that first person Um, I think that maybe we should add a word to active membership because there's a whole lot of folks that are members of churches, but they don't attend there. They're not part of the family. And that means nothing. So let's add let's add that word active member. Uh, I think that would be a good way for us to think about this, because God God places you in the middle of a body to be active. And so we're going to talk about that today. You know, why it is that you should be an active member of a local church. Yeah, that is so important of a question for us to answer today. And I think it begins really, you know, we are people who preach and teach God's word. So I believe it begins with the word of God. I know that you've probably got some scripture there. I know that I've been looking up some as well to go along with our our um, discussion today. Uh, Alan, do you mind if I read mine here, one of mine? No, go, go ahead. Okay, this is Romans 12, 4 through 5. It says, For just as each one of us has one body with many members, 
and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and get this, this is the last phrase in, in verse 5, and each member belongs to all the others. I think that is a really key thing, you know, that we, we have different functions, and that's where we make up a body, and then so we need those people that God has placed within that but we have to keep in mind that each member belongs to all the others. And so um, there is that accountability function of being a part of, of a body of Christ. Yeah, and I, well, I was just thinking about, you know, when you take that body metaphor and it's used again, of course, in first Corinthians where mm -hmm. you see that, that discussion happen once again, I think one of the things we, we think about is, well, that's being, you know, it's talking about, you know, how your ligaments and all those things are joined together. But if you really think about that, that imagery, it really would look pretty funny if your body wasn't connected to the rest of you. So I think that idea, even though, when, you know, when we say, you know, the head bones connected to the neck bone and all that kind of stuff. In, in the church world, that connectiveness is is the membership. That connectiveness is the commitment that says, I am part of this body. I'm committed to being part of mm -hmm. this body. I'm not I'm not a free agent out there. Right. And I believe that that really is an important part of what membership mm -hmm. is all about. You need to be joined with other believers, and that commitment needs to be distinguishable in your mm -hmm. life. Well, let me read one of those. You mentioned 1 Corinthians, and so let me read 1 Corinthians 12, 18. It says, but in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. So we have to keep in mind that it's not that you just go and visit and then you, hey, I'm going to make this my church. Or I'm going to attend sometimes. But God has placed you there, and he expects you to be an active part of the body of Christ an active member, um, not just, you know, I've got an extra toe hanging off the side of my foot or something that doesn't really do anything, but God has placed us there and he wants us to be a part of that. Yes, that's exactly right. And so we're thinking about the <laughs> biblical foundation. And so all throughout scripture, I believe in, in my understanding of scripture that the biblical imperative is there. Now, I know there are people who disagree. There are people who have a different viewpoint. I respect you, but I disagree with you in this one. I think this is uh, something that in my mind is very clear that membership in a local church matters. That's why we have epistles that were written to local church bodies for the most part. That's why, that's why we have other talks throughout scripture, I believe, that reference the local church in a specific people within that that local church so it's a biblical concept but the the, the bible oftentimes is kind of like instruction you give your kids um when they're growing up like don't stick your tongue in a light socket which is pretty, <laughs> you know which is pretty good advice it's also practical mm -hmm. right there's a there's a sense in which if you have a process to deal with new members and it, it may be in a one-on-one -on -one gathering it may be in a classroom setting but if you have a process that everyone who wants to join your church goes through there's a very practical nature and practical reasons for doing that mm -hmm. and i think it's important for the leadership of the church to come up with that process and say okay we're going to do the same thing 
for everyone. Um, unfortunately, you know, it becomes haphazard sometimes. I've seen churches where, well, they did that for a week or two or a month or two or maybe six months, but then they quit doing that same process. And so it's unfortunate because if everyone goes through that same process, you, you get to control, you know, and, and make sure that everybody understands the process and what it means to be a part of the body of, of Christ. Yeah, you, you know, you and I have both done ministry in different places through, throughout our country. And in many places, you, you'll find that there's not a overwhelming majority of people going to a certain church or certain denomination. Now, where, where I'm at now, we're, we're the biggest segment of churchgoers in the area, but that wasn't true in Colorado. And mm -hmm. what I found is that I had a lot of teaching to do regarding people who were coming from from an understanding and a different set of beliefs, not in major areas, but in a lot of minor areas of doctrine. And it was an opportunity to teach, this is who we are, this is what we believe, this is why we believe what we believe, and this is why we do what we do. And it, it became a great opportunity to, to give instruction and guidance to people. Yeah, I've, I see that to be true in the area that I'm in now, Alan. Um, that the, you know, we have people coming from lots of different um, denominations um, to uh, visit or be a part of a local Baptist church, which I'm part of. Um, and so it is a great teaching opportunity. Um, you know, there's some theology that needs to be discussed, and why is it that that the church that you're a part of now functions the way that you do? And so, you know, our church that I'm a member of, um, they have a process where everyone goes through that before they can actually be considered a member of the church. And then we also pair that up with some, you know, especially for new believers in Jesus Christ, you not only go through the process, but you're also paired up with a mentor um, to be able to learn more and be uh, discipled better. Yeah, that's so good and so and so valuable for us. I think the other benefit, Trent, that you get from that is that it also just lets people know exactly who you are. Um, mm -hmm. They they may not know, they may not understand, but once they have an opportunity um, to do that, then you know it becomes more clear at that point in time. And so, I think that's a huge part of what we're talking about right here is that opportunity for people to know who you really are and, and what you're about. You know, people, people want to know their pastor. People want to know their, their church leaders. And it's an opportunity to really communicate your vision and values to people. Because if people don't like your vision and values, they're not going to follow you for very long. Even if they agree with you doctrinally, even if they have those other things, if they don't agree with that, where the direction you're taking a church, they're not going to stay connected to it. And it's better to know that on the front end than to get to a place where you count on someone and they count on you and then recognize that you're moving in two different directions. Right. Well, and some people, you know, like we've been talking about, they come from a different background uh, in the churches that you and I are part of there. The body of Christ has the opportunity to vote on different um, things that happen. Uh, some people come from a denomination maybe that did not that didn't happen. You know, they had an elder or a leader that made all the decisions uh, in Southern Baptist life. That's not the case. Um, 
you have the autonomous nature of the local body, and you also have the, I guess what we call priesthood of the believer, uh, and then you have, you know, so every member is called to be a part of that, but they also get the chance to vote on some things and what happens in the church, and hopefully all are led by Christ and spend time in prayer about those. So as you, you're talking about the, the privileges someone might have of voting and being a part of the decision-making in a congregational-style church, uh, I think you're talking about expectations. That it, it also gives us the practical side is there's an opportunity to give people the expectations of what is expected of me as a church member. I'm expected to be a part of some of the decisions. I'm expected to be a part of the solutions. I'm expected to serve. I'm expected to give. I'm expected to be frequent in my attendance. Mm -hmm. All those kinds of things. But also, what can they expect from you? Should they be able to, you know, to to expect that you're doing your job and that you are nurturing them spiritually and that you are that you are forthright and that you're going to honor good stewardship in your church as you're asking them to do in their personal lives. So it's an opportunity to say you should be able to expect these things from us. Mm -hmm. We should be able to expect these things from you. I mean, that's really building a set of expectations. And probably as much as anything, this is one of the most valuable things that we do um, in receiving new members is setting forth clear expectations. The days of people putting a church covenant on the wall and expecting everyone to sign that and do that or whatever, that's not compelling. But really sitting down and saying, these are truly what's at our heart. And this is who we are. This is what's important. And sharing that is valuable. Yeah, and everybody has expectations um, when they come to be a, a involved in the church. Um, and so this is a good chance for those to be voiced um, so that they're not like landmines. <clears throat> Excuse me. And it's also those expectations point back to the Romans 12 verse 5 verse and it says each member belongs to all the others if they if there is that sense of belonging then there has to be that also those expectations that you mentioned before exactly that's so true and so good so when you have expectations i think the natural outcome of expectations that next thing we want to talk to you about we, we've said that, yeah. that having a new members class or process it's biblical it's practical it also establishes accountability if you without it, you don't have accountability. Now, someone today was sharing some legal sides of something that can happen if you don't build in this kind of accountability. It's not only practical from the standpoint of spiritually, it gives us accountability, but legally it also gives us accountability. So I do think that there's a growing importance for doing these things, but we need accountability in our lives. We were built with a desire for accountability. So I think establishing accountability within the church is really critical. Well, and, and you know, that another thing that goes along with accountability, uh, before I mentioned that being an active member, I think accountability is an ongoing process. Um, a lot of churches, you, you have the, hey, I'm a member and I'm, a, you know, if I go through that process, and then there's nobody asked me anything or has any expectations beyond that. Uh, I've talked to a, a church in, in Arizona that they, they go through kind of a process with everybody every year to where they have to 
say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm willing to sign this membership covenant and I agree to do these things this year. And so it, it, every year it's brought back up and the, uh, there's that teaching opportunity of saying, hey, yes, you're an active member and there are these expectations. And I would say that's kind of a trend where we've seen when we talk about having a th high threshold for membership, I think there are churches today that are looking at, at membership on an annual basis and not just assuming mm -hmm. that once you're on a roll, you stay on that roll forever, that you really, in a way, have to demonstrate that you are truly a member in that church. And so I would say that's an extremely high threshold of membership. And what we're finding is that's not off-putting to people. That In fact, it puts people at ease because they know what those um, expectations are. You know, some churches are even kind of doing a thing where they have an accountability of, of tiers of membership. I'm, I don't know how I feel about it, but I've seen it, you know, mm -hmm. that, that there's kind of, kind of a, uh, an entry level of member, and then there's kind of an advanced level of member. Mm -hmm. And I think, again, it's just churches trying to figure out how do we build in into ourselves accountability. It's not so much about trying to distinguish out your people, but what level of accountability is someone at in, in life so that they can be held to that standard. And that some people, when they reach to a higher level, should be held to a higher standard. And so, again, right or wrong, agree or disagree, I, I think it's, again, churches wrestling with this issue of accountability. Well, and I like that um, from part of it because, you know, when somebody moves their membership in Southern Baptist life <clears throat> to another church, then they send a request for a letter to our church and we had to agree that they were a member in good standing. That was the phrase in the, in the letter that we would send back to them. And so if there's not an ongoing, whether it's yearly, every other year, how, whatever, if there's not an ongoing discipleship or expectation, then how do you know if that person is a member in good standing? It's all basic, well, I like this person. You know, they've been around a little bit, you know, then they're in good standing. Uh, so I, I, you know, I think there needs to be something to where you can say, yes, this person is a member in good standing and we send them to you, uh, with our blessings. And it certainly, it certainly comes together in, in places today where you're trying to define what we believe and who we are and who can serve in your church. If you don't have a clear system of beliefs that people are aware of and that you've communicated you can really create some problems for yourself down the road, you know, and it would be really hard for a church that didn't have a membership program, for instance, to do what first Corinthians was charged to do and expel the immoral brother. Right. And it would be equally as hard to do what second Corinthians tells them to do and restoring the, the repentant immoral brother. Right. There, there's a, yeah. there's there is a process and that process involved accountability and membership. And I think that's a, a really important part of what's going on. And so it establishes accountability. There's one well, other thing. Oh, go ahead. Let, let me say I want to add to this accountability thought, um, because if if someone's not willing to be placed in accountability with the rest of the body of Christ, I'm certainly not going to let them teach in my church. And I'm definitely not going to let them work with my children or youth if they're not willing to be accountable for the things that are, you know, that they're doing and how they live and act. And so 
that I think that's a huge deal if they're not willing to place themselves in submitting themselves uh, and being held accountable, then I, I think you can't let them be active in the church. Yes. And I think that's something, you know, I think figuring out where people can serve in a church, there is definitely places in your church life where only a member, someone who's made that commitment should be serving. And, and then, Trent, you know, accountability is important, but it's also, I think, an opportunity. One of the biggest needs in churches today is how do we find volunteers? Where do we get people to volunteer? How do we communicate the needs and where people can serve? And I think in this particular case, one of the most important things we can do is create pathways. And so if you have a process of membership, it allows you to create pathways with people so that they know how they can be involved. Yeah. If they, if, and if it's that pathway is laid out, um, maybe you have a, I've seen churches where they had a brochure or pamphlet that was available as you walked in and people would find those in the foyer. And if that's laid out and it's the same for everyone, then you, you understand what the expectations are. And there's not, you know, there's not so much um, questioning or worrying about all that's involved. Yeah, I think one of the things too, Trent, is to also show people, you know, no one should leave a, a membership class or a membership meeting without an idea of where they should be plugged into a small group. Like to me, that's like membership 101. They, we need to communicate where you get plugged in at more than just the worship service. And I think that's certainly a beginning place, but also, you know, what does it mean to serve with our kids? What does it mean to serve with our students or on the worship team or or um, what are the requirements of a teacher? You know, all those kinds of things. I think those things should kind of be communicated very early on so that you can start putting people on a, on a pathway. You know, you also can have that conversation of finding out what people's desires are. Some churches will do a spiritual gift inventory. Um, maybe someday we'll talk about my disdain for, for, for some of those. But, <laughs> yeah. But, but, I understand why they do it. Um, and so maybe you do a spiritual gift inventory or an interest in inventory or something like that, just to give uh, yourself an idea of how can we take this new member and help them find a place of meaningful service in the, in the life of the church. Because again, you know, in most of our churches, that 80, 20 rule tends, tends to be in play that 20% of the people are doing 80% of the work. And I think one of the reasons that that happens is for many years, we did not create pathways for new people to get involved in the life of the church. And so the more pathways you have, the more likely you are, you are to defy those odds. Yeah. That, and that pathway, you know, explaining the expectation that, hey, there is, you're expected to be on this pathway in, to serving in our church family. If you're going to be a part of it, we don't need, and I used to say this to my church all the time. We don't need people to come just sit in the pews. I'm, I, God had places people as part of the body of Christ to be active and serving. That's why I think it's important for us to say active members. Um, you know, people think, well, I'm just going to be a member and then I'll just attend and come to church. It's like, well, great. But that small group that you mentioned, that needs to be a big part of, of your church membership and your part of that. And then also serving. We have an expectation that you're going to be involved in the ministry of the church, not just sitting, soaking, and souring. You know, that's that's not right. So 
I agree. Yeah, there has to be some pathways and it needs to be clearly defined as people begin to um, get more and more involved. And then they ask those questions, you know, how can I be involved in this church? Exactly. Exactly. We want we want people to to feel that they are connected, that they are vital to the life of the church. Isn't that what membership is? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think about, um, you know, being able to have, you know, two arms and two legs and, and uh, f- you know, as I learned as a kid, four eyes. But anyway, um, <laughs> but we are, you're fortunate, right? Because mm-hmm. not everyone is blessed to have everything. And we need to recognize that we are vital to the life of that church. We're we're the arm, we're we're the leg, we're you know, the belly button or whatever. I mean, we we are important. <laughs> we are important in the life of the church. And we want everyone to know that they feel a vital role because that's what the body is. The body is vital. Yeah. Well, you know, um, scripture says that God has given each individual who's a believer in Jesus Christ, He has given them everything they need for life and godliness. I believe that to be absolutely true. I also believe that that same principle is true of a local body of Christ, each local church. And God has given them everything they need to be successful in that. And so that that means the people. And so they they are part of a family. They're an active part of a church and they're involved in the ministry. And so that is that is a vital, important part. So true. You know, even in the business world, they will always tell you that people are your most important capital, right? Mm-hmm. And that that's true in the life of the church. People make up the body. People people are the 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 living, breathing body of Christ. It, we are His organism, His organization. We are His bride, and it's important for people to be committed to the body of Christ. And so. Trent, we, we use a lot of scripture today. We use a lot of practical insight today, but I believe church membership matters. I would agree with you, Alan, and I hope that you, as you listen to this, um, that you'll begin to ask some questions. Maybe you're, you've are you not become a member of a local body of Christ. Uh, maybe you're a church leader in a church that does not expect that, and so we want to ask you to, to rethink that and and you make your own choice. Uh, maybe you have questions about this. What does this mean? And you'd like to discuss that with us more. And with Alan and I would love to talk with you about this. We'd love to hear from you and, and your thoughts as well. But um, yeah, we think this is an important part of being in, in the body of Christ. And uh, so we appreciate that you've taken some time to listen to our rambling around today about this. Uh, and uh, hopefully, You'll take some time to not only think about it, pray about it, but then get in contact with us and give us your thoughts and opinions. Yeah, and we look forward to catching you on our next episode. We love doing this because we're here to help you and your church endure. So have a great week and God bless you.